Welcome to the Binge Breakers Podcast. I'm Jacqueline. I am here to teach you how I overcame bulimia and my binge eating disorder, and how you can too. Through simple steps of mind management, repairing your relationship with yourself, understanding your habits, and intuitive eating. Disclaimer. This recording is not intended to be utilized as medical advice or a medical diagnosis. If you think you're in need of medical attention or treatment, please seek it immediately. This recording will also contain sensitive subjects such as binging and purging, weight and depression. Please listen at your own discretion and do what you think is best for you. Hey everyone, welcome to the podcast. Today I want to talk about, it's actually really personal, why... Some clients that I've worked with have failed in recovery, and there's a lot of caveats to that statement, but to pique your interest and be like, oh my God, why is she talking about this? Obviously, not every single person I've worked with has recovered under my watch. And I just want to be upfront about that first and foremost, because any coach or professional that tells you otherwise is either the best of the best of the best and otherworldly, or they're lying to you. And I think it's really important to say that it's normal to have some people who just don't fit your program and to work with you. And then they have to move on for various reasons. However, the biggest caveat I'll say is that I want this podcast to kind of go through the reasons I see why people fail when they do happen to work with me. And you know, what usually makes the clients that are successful, what they do, because it's not really about me or the client. Of course, we both play responsibility in in their success and their journey. And I don't think coaches that put it only on the client or clients that put it only on the coach, that's also irresponsible. It's a two-way street. But I want to discuss the reasons I see why they why they fail and to make you see how it's not necessarily about them and that they can they're still totally capable of recovery. And I've had the privilege of when I, in the beginning, I'd say more clients in the beginning probably didn't recover under my watch because I was a new coach and kind of figuring things out as well. A lot of, and also I have a very high success ratio. So it's, it's all good. I don't want you to think like she's a total failure. That's <laughs> what my, my brain is being like, you put this episode out, everyone's going to think you're a total failure, but I think it's going to be helpful. But I've had the privilege to see some of the clients that they didn't, they ended up not being able to recover with the program that I gave them. We discontinued our coaching relationship. And then years later, they've reached back out to me and be like, hey, our journey together was quite influential and I really appreciate it. And I just needed more time and actually I'm doing a lot better now. So even when you hear these stories and we're going to talk about all those lessons, I just want you to know it's not linear. And even if you fail at a certain point, doesn't mean it's all over in the future and things can change. And I just, I think this episode is going to be really helpful. Give you insights on what to do and what not to do. However, I just wanted to share a quick thing. In our Facebook group, I've been trying to ask our private Facebook group and the group coaching program that I have. It's a membership, but we have a private Facebook community as well. I'm actually redoing that program right now. So it's really exciting. But for now, it's it's $60 per month and you can join at any time if you are looking for affordable support. But and this past Monday, I asked, what are your big long-term goals and what are you doing to work towards them today? And I kind of expected more people in the group to talk about recovery. But the fun thing about that Facebook group is that I've just decided to keep all members who join in. I don't ever remove people unless they've been somehow harassing someone, which doesn't happen. <laughs> but but anyway, the, the group is full of past members who have been through the course, who have recovered. And so a lot of those people stepped in and they talked about 
different goals that they're working towards. One of the members, they're writing a book. Another member is dating again. Another member is on a journey to become a psychotherapist. I'm not remembering all of it, but I just, it was so cool to see all the long-term goals that had nothing to do with recovery. And all of them kind of mentioned that it's so nice pursuing these goals without struggling with bulimia. And I'm so happy that I recovered because if I hadn't, I probably wouldn't be working towards these goals. So I'm just feeling really happy and positive about my members today. I think I'll make a private podcast about this post and kind of go through and dissect some of the things people said because they are valuable lessons. But to you group members out there, shout out. Thank you for being so inspiring. The people that I work with, they inspire me every single day. All right, time to get to the juicy details. I, you know, that podcast episode that I posted a few weeks back about alcohol and my sober journey, that felt really vulnerable too, but whew, this feels ultimately extremely vulnerable because it's basically airing out your dirty laundry. And what I'll say before I start is having failures as a professional, having clients that struggle should not be such a weird thing to talk about. And I think if more coaches talked about it, it would actually not only make coaches feel better, but make clients feel better because people, they only hear success stories. Coaches usually only share success stories. And I get that. And it is important. You don't want to work with a coach who never, ever has any success stories to share. Otherwise, why are you working with them? But it's so not normal in the industry, in the like professional services, helping people industry, whatever you are, therapists, coaches, psychotherapists, fitness coaches, whatever. They only ever share the best of the best. And they kind of sweep all the failures that their clients have had under the rug because the per- the coach is making a personal failure. And I do think there's some responsibility on the coach and the client, but it should be normal. And I think people need to understand that no one's perfect. And there it's, it's weird if no one's having any failures, it means they're probably covering something up. So I've said this time and time again, that not everyone I've worked with has, you know, actually recovered with me. But I think this episode will give you a really in-depth insight and hopefully make you feel normal. And also for my clients that sometimes struggle, I think this episode will help them too, because they can hear it and be like, ah, I'm, it's part of my regular journey. This makes sense. Okay, so without that out of the way, let's just do it. Let's just rip off the Band-Aid. Um, so reasons clients have failed with me, to, and by failure, I'm defining it as they didn't leave the coaching relationship with me behavior-free. And obviously other things count as recovery, and some of them they did leave behavior-free, but I count it as a failure. But just to, for a, a general rule of thumb, they didn't leave behavior-free by the end of our coaching relationship. So One is that they were viewing it, I was viewing it and they were viewing it as a pass, fail or linear journey. And so what I was going to say in the beginning, but I forgot it was a point now, is people were viewing the time that we spend together as it has to get done now and has to get done immediately. And if I don't do these things, that is an ultimate failure. They're viewing it as their last chance. And if they didn't get their shit together right now, then they might as well give it up altogether. And that is a steep, steep task. It's climbing Mount Everest, right? Of if you, this is your last chance to recover. And if you don't get it done, that's that. And then me as a coach, I think, especially in the beginning, I was viewing it as, They have to recover because if they don't recover, I am a bad coach. 
you know, I am a bad person because I wasn't able to do that. So I was taking on the personnel responsibility of their recovery too much. And then they were viewing it as I can't possibly fail. Otherwise it's my last chance. And because they were also viewing it as pass fail and there was no gradient, like let's say some people, their behavior significantly reduced and they felt much better and they were really on their way to recovery, but because they didn't leave behavior free or they didn't reach the goal that they thought they were going to get to, then they viewed it as a failure, which is incredibly dismissive. I always think of little kids and, you know, they're trying to do something like, I don't know. So I grew up on a big hill. It's a weird story, weird segue, but it took me a while as a little kid to be able to ride the bike up our driveway for a long time. And But my dad and my mom, whenever they were out and I was trying to ride my bike all the way up by the driveway, I would always have to stop kind of at the top and walk it up for the rest of the way. They would always tell me, good job. And they'd always be like, you tried, you're going to get it sometime, just keep going. And eventually, because I was proud of the progress I had made, I was at one point able to finally get all the way up. And I remember it's so like insignificant, but I remember them cheering me on and being really happy for me. But if they had told me, oh, you weren't able to get all the way up in your first try, you suck, you know, you're never going to get there. I would have never been able to really keep pursuing it because I would have been too embarrassed, felt like an utter failure and discontinued. And I think that's what some of these clients, their issues were, was, okay, I did not fully stop behaviors. I didn't do X while I was with Jacqueline. That means that I'm a bad client. And that means that I'm a total failure. And this is my last chance and I'll never, ever do it again. And the funny thing, a lot of those clients are the ones that have told me now, a few years later that, hey, like, I'm actually doing so much better. And you were such an integral part of that journey. I needed that time. And I also needed the time to go back into bulimia for a little bit to figure out what was wrong. And I kept remembering our conversations and the things we talked about. And then it finally clicked and I finally started getting better. I picked myself back up again. So if I had ever, if they had never told me that, I would have always thought I was a failure and I just, I failed them as a coach, right? And that wasn't true. It's just, they needed that extra time. They needed more struggle. There was something yet to be learned that wasn't a part of the coaching relationship. And funny enough, this is again a segue, but I just ended things mutually. Like she's doing good. That's why she's ending things with a client I've worked with for over a year. I think we've worked together for a year and three months. She started out as a group coaching member, and then she wanted to work with me privately for some other personal stuff that had nothing to do with bulimia. But she was, she's pretty much recovered when she started working with me privately, but she had other things going on that I don't want to share for her privacy reasons. But we ended things and she was so sad because obviously you develop a relationship with someone, especially if you're working and meeting with them weekly, every single week for over a year. And it, and it was kind of a bittersweet event, but I told her, you know, you might need this time away from our coaching relationship to grow in other ways. Like she's planning on seeing a dietitian about some health things that she's going through that I actually pointed her towards. And I'm like, maybe I wish I could offer you all the things this dietitian could, but I can't. And you working with this other person and getting these things out, maybe at some point we'll cross paths again and we'll need each other. But I think you need the time away to grow in separate ways. It's like children leaving the nest, right? It's part of your journey. So 
I think a lot of coaches, they think it has to all happen with me. And I think that's narcissistic and egotistical and shouldn't be what the coach should think and certainly shouldn't be what the client should think. Because if you're putting all your eggs in one basket, it's just usually not the best thing to do. Anyway, I'm sad about that client that's leaving. I know it's I know it's part of her journey, but man, it's hard to watch clients grow up. Part of the part of the thing. Okay. The other thing is that I see a lot of people, they start recovery for other reasons. Either they're putting pressure on themselves to not fail because they don't want to disappoint me, which is you never want to do that. Don't be with any professional that makes you feel like if you don't do, if you like have a bad week or something that you're letting them down. Of course, that happens naturally. But I always try to express to clients like I'm never mad at you and it's never about me. I'm just concerned. That's only only thing. But they'll put pressure on themselves not to disappoint me or whatever professional they're working with. Or they'll put the pressure on themselves not to fail their family or their partner or something. And every time they have an episode, they see it as them lying to their partner or whatever, or letting them down. And it's not. And they probably believe these things because of what they've been told in the past, how they were raised, the relationship dynamic, or it's all in their own head. I don't know. But they they have this belief system of, I can't fail because then I'm letting other people down. And really what they need to understand is they're not letting anyone down. They're recovering for themselves and themselves only. And I, when I'm able to shift the perspective of them of, you're recovering for positive reasons. And you're doing these things for positive reasons. And that should be probably your main motivation is that your relationship will get better when you aren't doing these things, not it's going to, you're so bad when you're doing these things, but also when you're binging and purging, when you're engaging in behaviors, you're not murdering puppies. I always like to say that you're not killing anyone. You're not doing anything bad or wrong. There's not an ethical dilemma. I don't understand why alcohol is so common in society. People literally drink to excess and throw up and that's totally normal even laughed at in public but if you are binging and purging then it suddenly seems as this awful awful thing and it is a bad thing for your health but it shouldn't be about other people and i know when you're choosing binging and purging and i know when you're choosing binging and purging over your partner or your family then i can see how they would take it more personally but it's still not about them it's about your kind of addictive cycle with that and the first person that you want to be recovering for is yourself and if you binge and purge you're not letting anyone down and i just want you to release that pressure and with the clients that i did see that fail i felt like they took they took it so personally And they made it so much of a personal failure when they binge and purged and they just couldn't get past that. And maybe I was not doing a good job of seeing that and trying to coach them through that, which I try really hard to do now, actually. But in the past, what I've seen is, yeah, they just, they can't get around the fact that they failed and then they, they make it mean that they'll never get better and that they should just, they're a burden on people and that they should just stop and give up. Also, when it's only about other people, which is kind of be going to be a side reasons, but it's kind of the same. When it's only about other people, it's not about you, it feels less motivating. I don't know. The reasons that I recovered didn't really have much to do with my family. The reasons that I used to be, the trigger warning, I used to be suicidal and struggle with depressive thoughts. And I still sometimes do sometimes, but they're nowhere near as extreme as they were when I was going through bulimia. And something about that that was important is when I was going through those things, other people in my life were kind of the, the things that helped me stay alive, but the people that stay stay alive, but 
when it was recovery, the thing that inspired me the most wasn't being good for other people. It was what it could offer me. I was like, there's a better future ahead of me. There's career opportunities that I could have. I could, I could have a better life. I could feel happier. I could have a better relationship. I could possibly, I don't know, feel more mentally sane if I weren't doing this. Those things motivated me far more than thinking I have to be a good person to my family. I can't let my family down. That just felt horrible. So when you make recovery about yourself, I think it gets much, it gets much more real, much more motivating. The other thing that I noticed sometimes when people would fail under my watch was when they were giving responsibility to someone else to recover, like they couldn't get past the idea that it has to be them. And I want to be clear, it's not your fault that you are struggling with an eating disorder and you do always have responsibility to recover and you have a choice in the matter to recover and you never have to binge. But I understand that circumstances create the binging and it's not always your fault. You know, it isn't really anyone's fault, but ultimately you're the one that has to be the one to, to step in and stop in. But of the people that I've seen that had trouble recovering, it's because they felt like, no, there's absolutely no way in the moment I can stop myself. And because of this belief system, they wouldn't necessarily try in that moment. Or they would constantly live under the guise that I have to have someone in the room. I have to have someone around to be able to change my behavior. Otherwise, there's nothing I can do. And they kind of just wipe their hands of it, right? And I understand where that belief system is coming from. But it's not a helpful one. And I always, I think I've mentioned this on a podcast recently, but I always tell people, you know, if I told you I was going to, I was going to cut your finger off if you binge and purge, you'd be able to immediately figure out how not to binge and purge because the consequence would be so dire. You would, you would be constantly thinking about it and it wouldn't be worth it. It wouldn't outweigh the binge and purging. So you just would not do it. And that's an interesting thought experiment, even though it's not practical because it immediately gets you past the idea of it's not within your capability. No, if that were the situation, you know for sure you'd be able to do it. So it's never a question of your capability. It's really a question of what's motivating enough and what are you doing in the mo moment that needs to be altered and how can you catch it early enough so you remember to use these tools? And how can you make sure you're not pushing yourself past the brink where you don't even care anymore and you just binge and purge anyway? But yeah, people would kind of put the responsibility on them on other people or they would put it on me and the clients that I find that are most successful are the ones that always make time for the calls weekly they show up they take notes they do the assignments that I give them I try not to overwhelm them with assignments because they have lives too but they are attentive and they try constantly to work with me on here's what worked here's what didn't work and here's what I think we should do next and they're pretty vigilant about it and the clients that are open-minded and it's, it's funny, the client that I just ended things with that worked with me for over a year, she said, what I loved most about your program, what helps me the most is when I was in the group, group coaching program, I kind of just had to take the advice that you gave and go with it because there wasn't as much time to argue back and forth with you on the calls. And I think that helped me in the beginning to just take action. And then the other stuff we worked on, I was able to talk more back and forth on, but um, it left me with a lot of responsibility to recover and that helped me. And she said, I also loved that whenever you put in your modules and stuff, you'd always say things like, here's what you should do. Here's here. If you want to make progress, here's what you should do. But if you, if you're struggling to do that, like some things I'd recommend are eat more, eat more consistently. But a lot of people have resistance to that. And she said, instead of just saying tough luck, which is what she experienced in treatment centers of, oh, if you're not willing to do this, get out. Like we can't help you. So get out. I would say if you have resistance to that, that's okay. But 
I want you to try to figure out why you have resistance to it and why you're not willing to do this and be honest about those reasons. Because I know deep down, instead of just forcing someone to do something, they need to understand truly why they're not willing to do it. And that's where they can change things is their belief system. And so she said that really helped me because it made me feel like I had a choice in the matter and I could understand my choices and that I was fully making them on my own accord and if I wanted to change them. And I remember one time when we were working together one-on-one at this point, we had, she she reminded me of it yesterday. We were kind of reflecting because it was on one of our last calls. And she said there was one point where I'd started restricting again due to like a traumatic event. And I was really grateful we were working together at that point. But she said, you had told me like, look, you need to eat more and you need to start eating more consistent meals. This isn't working what you're doing. The restricting, it's not helping. It's making things worse. And I could tell on the call though, that she was like getting angry at me. She didn't want to hear what I was telling her. And apparently like she threw her phone after our call. But then later that day, because I had sensed that she was a little bit angry, I sent her an email and I was like, look, here's what I think you should do, but I'll fully support you and be there for you. Even if you don't do this. It's up to you. You can always do what you want to do and I will be there for you. And I just sent her that email and she said that like suddenly the resistance was gone and suddenly I felt like I could, I had a choice in the matter again and then I could let go of the restriction. And so it was me giving them a choice and, and putting it on them and putting the responsibility on them, but also letting them know that they are supported and safe either way really, really helped them. But I find those types of clients are more successful Anyway, I got on this tangent, but I just thought it was an interesting lesson of with responsibility, you have to take responsibility for your choices in recovery, but also, you know, shouldn't just force yourself into it. And I think what's so magical about coaching that I've learned over the years is that if someone's not doing something, instead of just saying, tough titties, keep on going, why aren't you doing what you're doing? It's because you're broken, get out. It's okay, why aren't you doing that though? What's the reason? And a lot of times people dismiss it and they'll say, Oh, I'm just, I know I'm just lazy. I'm like, no, no, no. There's a reason it's either a belief system. There's circumstances going on that you're not preparing for. You're pushing yourself too hard. What is it? And it's just kind of taking a look at things and being compassionate about it. And sometimes people need to just sit with those beliefs for a little bit before they can change them with awareness that like, I'm doing this for this reason, but do I still want to be doing it for this reason long term? Anyway, so back to the original subject line, people just Don't take as much responsibility and put the recovery on either other people or me. Or likewise, like I think maybe in the very early days, I gave clients too much responsibility. I think it's a two-way street. Coaches should take 50% of the responsibility. Clients should take the other 50%, right? And it needs to be a partnership. But if you're only, if you're giving all your responsibility up to other people and you run under the belief system that you are a slave to your urges, that is it's not helpful for anyone because what can you do at that point? If you're a slave, you can't do anything, right? And then the last most obvious one, but I wanted to save it for last for a reason, is that some of the clients I worked with that didn't recover under my watch, they needed more help that I could give. And there was one client that I really regretted taking on. We only coached together for, I think, less than a month. She just needed much more help than I could give. And it was 
naive of me to say yes at that point. And it wasn't because I was trying to manipulate her. I was just young and didn't really see the warning signs, but she obviously needed much more clinical psychological help. And I'm a coach. I'm not a medical professional. And so after things started getting kind of dark with her, I recommended that she go find some a, a psychologist and a therapist because this wasn't going to work out. Otherwise she needed more help than I could give. And if I had known that ahead of time, I wouldn't have taken her on. But since then, I've been pretty cautious, and that's why I always try to meet with people ahead of time. Also, some people I've worked with, like when I mentioned in my Alcohol Sober Curious podcast, that one co client, she was not willing to give up alcohol, and that was the main the reason that she wasn't recovering. And we ultimately had to end things early because she just wasn't willing to give that up. She probably needed to go to Alcoholics Anonymous. Oh my goodness, Alcoholics Anonymous or a treatment center or something like that, or an addiction rehab center. Because if you're not willing to give some up, even something up, even though you know it's the problem, that's more of an issue that we can't solve together if you're not willing to do any of the work to get it done, right? And then I have one client who she, this is an interesting story. She was definitely struggling with depression. I didn't know it at the time, but like it got it got increasingly obvious as she got better. So the interesting part about her is that she was behavior free by the time we stopped working together. But so she was able to accomplish that, but she felt miserable. And without the coping mechanism of bulimia, her life felt even worse. She just felt terrible all the time. And she I I said, you know, she was considering getting medication from her doctor, working back and forth with her. And her sister had been struggling with the same thing, got medication, felt a lot better. And at the end of it, I'm like, look, I think this might be the right route for you. And I think you should consider it. And I hope that that's what ends up happening in the future. Please talk to your doctor about it. And since then, she has gotten medical help for it and gotten medication and feels a lot better and is now able to tackle recovery and is doing much better in her, her recovery. And her life is improved significantly. So she just needed more medical treatment. Another client I had also needed to get medication. And after that, she was doing great. And we had an amazing continued coaching relationship that she was able to get much better from, but it wouldn't have happened if she didn't have that medication on her side. And those are things that are just, I cannot diagnose, right? I can't give people medications. They just needed more treatment, which is why I tend to prefer working with people who have already been through therapy. Not that that's a requirement. Some people I work with, they've never done anything like that and it works for them. But I always, when I'm talking to people, I'm trying to make sure that they don't have any kind of unchecked trauma, that they are in a safe place to be able to do things I would recommend. Because sometimes, you know, like if I would recommend them eating consistently, I need to make sure that they're at their body is stable enough to handle that, right? That it's not going to be dangerous for them. Or if they are struggling with extreme alcoholism, I can't just tell them to give that up. They need to go to a medical facility. So those things were different, but it's not that because they needed more help that they weren't able to be helped. They just needed the right type of help. And I think it's really important to remind yourself that not everyone is your cup of tea and not everyone's the perfect fit. That's why you should be able to shop around and look and see what therapist fits you best, what coach fits you best, what program fits you best. And really, I don't think it's a one person, one size fits all. I think you probably need to take gems from each place and make it cohesive. I think one of my programs is my, my program is one of the most well-rounded, but it's still not everything. And that's okay. I don't think because one program doesn't suit you, you should then deem yourself a failure. I do that all the time in my business. I take advice from Coat and Crabtree and Brooke Castillo and Stacey Bayman, Simone Soul, and take it and kind of build it into what I think is fits best for me. Same with my nutritional knowledge. I don't 
follow any specific dogmas. I kind of just go with practical advice that I think works for me. Okay. And the last thing I'll say is that it wasn't the right time. It just wasn't their time. And this maybe seems incredibly irresponsible being like, oh, this wasn't your right time. That's what you say with every client. No, I just mean that they needed more time, which goes back to what I talked about in the beginning about how some people didn't recover under my watch, but then later on it helped them. I had to do a lot of work in the beginning of my coaching and realizing that I am in charge of no one's timeline. I don't understand it and I don't know it. I just know that I can be helpful to them at whatever period in their journey they're on and help move them along to where they need to be and that they will give what they need out of the relationship. And for the clients that did fail under my watch, they got the, what they needed because they understood more of the problem that they were having and what they needed further after working with me. And then the clients that have obviously been a fantastic fit and have recovered under my watch, it was part of their journey too. And I'm sure that they're... All right, I'm going to let you guys go. Don't forget that the August retreat at the pause retreat happening August 3rd through the 7th is still available and there's still some spots available. I'm pre-recording this, so maybe not. There's only six spots available, but I'm hoping you guys can join. It's going to be a super intimate retreat. We're going to be talking one-on-one. We'll have private time or we're walking by the beach, discussing recovering, discussing what you need to do moving forward with your life. It's going to be grounding. It's going to be healing. It's going to be nature-esque and beautiful and quiet and a luxury retreat where you can escape. If you're interested in that for your recovery, check it out at www.bingebreakers.com slash pause dash retreat. You can find more information there. Payment plans are available till July 7th, so don't hesitate if you are interested. All right, I'll let you guys go. Never give up on yourself. Bye.